0: Hey everybody, I'm Jen Garrett, internationally recognized branding consultant and best-selling author of the books Move the Ball and Dominate the Game. By having a relentless mentality, I've pushed boundaries and gotten into rooms with pro athletes and power players, built a successful business, and moved the ball in male-dominated industries. Now, I'm using my same of the ball methodology to help thousands of people dominate their game when it comes to their brands and creating opportunities. This podcast is all about uncovering strategies of the world's best athletes and business leaders to help you get to that next level. Join me in conversations that will elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, thanks for joining me today. I'm excited to have you back for another episode. And today, you're in for a real treat real quickly, though. If you haven't already done so, be sure that you follow the podcast so that you never miss an episode and also share the show with some friends, family, colleagues, and coworkers too. Now, I'm excited for you to hear my conversation with Champ Kelly, who is currently the assistant general manager of the Las Vegas Raiders. Prior to that, Champ spent seven years in the front office with the Chicago Bears, and before that, he was a member of the Broncos organization in their front office for eight seasons. During our chat, we discuss the importance of authenticity, serving others as a leader, being where your feet are, and we also talk about quite a few things you should be doing to be able to move the ball and excel in your career. I absolutely love this chat with Champ, and I know you will too. He's awesome. You ready? Let's go. Champ, it is great to have you on the show and inside the huddle with us. Welcome.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been a long time coming.
0: Yes, we've been talking about this for quite a while. So I'm excited that we are making it happen. And now the real question is, are you ready to move the ball?
1: i stay ready. If you stay ready, you never have to get ready.
0: That is the right answer. As a podcast host, I'm always thinking about where do I want to start off a conversation to set the tone? And there's so many places that I could go to kick us off. And oftentimes when I have guests on the show who have been involved in the football space as a player, a coach, or in the front office, we really jump into football first. But I'm going to do something different today. One of the things that has helped me to be successful with not only this podcast, but also my brand and throughout my career was bringing conversations forward that are different and that really drive critical thinking, too. So... Are you ready? I'm ready. You say you stay ready. So let's go. All right. Let's do it. So we're in May 2023 now. And as you look back on the past few months of this year, what are some of the things that you've learned about yourself? And secondly, with over half of the year still to go, what are some of the things that you are focused on for the rest of this year?
1: Those are both very good questions. And I have what I try to do typically after the draft each year is kind of reflect back on the the work season to look at things that I've done that proud of that I want to continue to build on and grow. And also look at some of the things that I I would like to do better, not just from a scouting perspective or assistant general manager perspective, but as a person and as a a father and, and a husband. And I think the things that I've learned over the last few months is to completely be myself through any and every situation. A lot of times I'm asked to speak or asked to go to places or asked to talk to this person. And, you know, my reference point for doing that is usually listening to someone else talk to that person or someone else ask their questions. And so I have to train myself and be confident enough in myself to realize that my answers are my answers and they're good enough. And so I don't have to try to be a replica of someone else or to try to act like someone else like God created me for me. And that's beautifully and, and wonderfully made. And I trust that. I trust him at his word. And so to be my authentic self in any and every situation, which allows me to be comfortable in interviews and in any type of setting. So that's some of the things I've, I've learned about myself, some of the things that I want to do better. I'm, I'm constantly working at being a more effective communicator for people that I get a chance to kind of work alongside if I have a task for them or if they're trying to communicate to me, like I want to be a great listener and I want to ask the questions that allow them to be able to do their job and be able to help them get to where they want to be more effectively.
0: Well, I love that answer for a number of reasons. One, I know you do a great job answering it, but two, you talked about being your authentic self. And I think that's so important. I mean, you're in a position of high visibility and also of leadership. And it's very important to connect with your audience, connect with the people that work alongside you. And when you are not afraid to be your authentic self and who you are, it's going to allow you to connect with people on a genuine level, on a human level. And that's so important in today's day and age when they talk about being a servant leader as well. The other thing that you mentioned is that being a good listener, this is something that so many people miss. They're listening Oftentimes, just so they can respond versus listening to understand what the other person is saying and where they're coming from. So I really like that answer. Now, on the show, I'm really intent about giving people actionable tips on how to make things happen, how to really not just move the ball, but also to dominate the game in whatever field they're in. And so when you look at it, you're very busy. You've got a lot of things going on. It's very important to manage your time effectively. As you know, I released last year my latest book called Dominate the Game how life changes when you show up. And in that book, I talk about this concept called managing the game clock. And in the context outside of a football game or some other sporting event, the game clock is really about the 24 hours that you have every single day, the 1,440 minutes. What are some of the things that you do to effectively manage your game clock and make sure you're being productive every single day?
1: Mine is pretty simple. I come to, obviously, the, the work, Hours that you have in those 24 hours are significant. And that's why you're talking to me right now. For me, I am faith driven. So I believe in the word. So I come to work every day to thank God for the abilities that he's gifted me with. So when I come to work, it is game day for me. The decisions that I make are fourth and one every single day, every decision. And so when I leave work every day, my goal is to make God smile because I've used the gifts in which he's, he's blessed me with. However much time that takes, it is what it is. And what I've learned over, especially the course of my kids' life, time is my most valuable asset. And it's not what I leave for my kids. It's what I leave in my kids that's the most important thing for me. So I'm not going to miss the practices. I'm not going to miss the game. Like They are my priorities. I love my job. I'm good at scouting. I love the Raiders. I'm going to give everything that I have when I'm here, but my kids and, and my family, they're first for me. And I live there.
0: I love that. And you're married, you have three beautiful children. How do you balance, as you can imagine, I mean, being an assistant GM with an NFL team is a demanding job. So how do you balance that family and that work and integrate it all together?
1: Well, I, I think first of all, you can't just Say it like you have to really live in, and you have to make that decision prior to an event happening. Like for me, I've decided a long time ago that my family was going to be first, and so it's no different. Let me give you an example. Like a few years back, I said, you know, this entire year, this is when I was in Chicago. I said, this entire year, I'm going to wake up and run every morning. I don't care what the weather is. I don't care how late I'm up the night before. I'm going to wake up and run every morning. And I made that decision. Or let's call it January the 1st. And I ran every morning that year. Now, there were times where I woke up and it's 10 degrees or zero degrees outside and I didn't want to go. But the decision was made prior to me waking up. So it's easier to commit to it when you've established it a long time ago. So for me, when I said that my family was first, I established that way before getting into this profession. So. Regardless of what we have, like there's some sacrifices that have to be made. Obviously, this job is demanding. But if I'm choosing between my family or my job, my family is going to win every time. You know, my wife has sacrificed so much for us to be able to have the success that we've had in this profession. It's important. I have three little girls, eleven, nine, and six, and it's important for me to be there for them to show them that I love them, and not just through like words or Buying them this, I show them that I love them because I'm there for them. When they have the game, when they have the softball game and they lose on the car ride home, we have the conversation about what went well, what went wrong. And, and that's important for them, but it's also important for me as, as a parent. I didn't always have that growing up and I committed to being that for my kids.
0: And you made me think of something, too. I mean, there are times where we can't physically be there because of job demands and you have to travel for something. But for the time that you are able to physically be at home, it's about being fully present and being actively engaged. And I heard this a long, long time ago, early in my career, and somebody said, your kids would rather have you be there for a handful of events, but be fully engaged versus having you there every single practice sitting on the sideline on your at the time, Blackberry, you know, just disengaged and checked out. And so it's really about for the times that you can be there to be fully engaged, be fully present and be active versus just going through the motions or checking the box. They're not interested in that,
1: I agree. like your your presence is the present. And, and so we can talk about it all all we want to. But if you're not there, then you're not showing them that they are a priority. If they don't feel like they're a priority, then it's hard for them to understand why you do what you do.
0: Right. And as you know, on the show, I have a lot of pro athletes come on a common theme that they talk about is being where your feet are. That's a very, very common phrase in football. And you have to apply that same mentality and approach to everything that you're doing. So when it comes to family or your job, you're being in the moment, engaged and being where those feet are versus trying to multitask and only being half there. It's about being fully present each and every day for your family, for work and integrating it all together. Now, you and I have something in common and that we didn't start our careers. Our corporate careers were in very different directions than sports. So you have an undergrad in computer science. I have two engineering degree undergrads and you have an MBA like I and you started off your corporate career working at IBM and then you made the switch and have spent the bulk of your career in the front office with the Broncos, the Bears and now you're with the Raiders. Tell us about how you transitioned. Like, Why were you interested in computer science science to begin with, and then talk to us about the transition into sports.
1: First of all, I like that lightweight flex us. She said, you know, I got my couple degrees in engineering. <laughs> that was clean. I respect that. Um, no, I'm, I'm from a very small kind of rural town in North Florida. And so when I was growing up, most of the people that I saw who had the nice cars, who had a lot of money, they were involved in illegal type activities, you know, drugs or something of that nature. I remember riding to a gas station one day and I was probably 12 years old or something on a bike. And I saw this guy with a nice car, dressed pretty nice. And he wasn't a drug dealer. He looked different than some of these other guys that i would seen. You know, I stopped the guy, asked the guy like kind of what, what he did. And he told me that he was a computer programmer. I asked him where he worked at and he worked at IBM. And so for me, it was one of the first times that I've seen someone kind of professional, carry himself a little bit different. And it made me aspire to do something similar. And so I didn't exactly know why (laughs) other than to have some stability, to have some money and do it the right way. But from that point on, my goal was to kind of be, was to kind of major in computer science and ultimately work at IBM. And so I set forth a plan to kind of do that and was able to attain my undergrad degree, University of Kentucky, three and a half years. I ended up getting my master's degree from there as well while I was working. At IBM and just a segue or, or trying to transition for that a little bit. I think that goes to the importance of modeling. Like modeling is the best form of, of teaching. And so to have that model for me allowed me to have that goal in mind, which allowed me to know that I could reach it. And so you fast forward, I'm actually working at IBM, but I got asked to come and help coach a high school football team by a baseball player at the University of Kentucky. He got the AD job there. And I initially turned him down. Like, hey, I'm I'm in my career. I'm through with football. But he kind of talked me into it. I went out there. It was this 1A Christian school, a bunch of rich kids. Uh, They didn't win a lot of football games initially. But I fell in love with them. And they allowed me to continue my love for football. Um, And so I found myself at work. I'll be in the middle of programming and now I'm drawing plays up, trying to figure out how we're going to beat some small school in Kentucky. And my girlfriend at the time, who's not my wife, we were like, we want to chase this. Let's do it at the highest level. So we transitioned from the computer world to trying to get into the football world.
0: And how was that journey? I mean, you started off, you got your NFLPA contract certification to be an agent before you ended up going to work with the Broncos. Walk us through that journey. As you know, being in the business of football is tough. It's cutthroat. Being an agent is difficult too, especially when you're starting off. Walk us through what that was like.
1: You probably don't have enough time for me to go over the pivots and transitions of my life during that time. When you're in your early to mid-20s, you really feel like life has passed you by. When I was growing up, my only thought was that I was going to play pro football. I was going to finish with that, be super rich, come back and help support my high school. <laughs> and that was kind of what was in my brain. And then you, you know, you get this degree going through computer science. I was playing arena ball at that point, and IBM had a big layoff. And what IBM typically does when they lay you off in a certain area is they relocate you to another college branch of IBM. And I had interviews on Wall Street there. Well, there was a server sale job there. I knew at that point I wanted to work in football. So I talked to the owner of my indoor football team and asked him if there was a job that came available in our football program, I wanted to work it. I knew that's what I wanted to do. And he told me that there weren't any jobs, but he would hire me at his home health agency, allow me to work in analytics there because I worked at IBM. He said that he would allow me to coach high school ball and pursue my NFL career while I played for him as well. And so I did all of these things. And every year as I was pursuing NFL career, I would meet two or three different people in the space and they would try to mentor me and give me some thoughts and ideas of how I can break into the profession. Well, these connections, some other guys in Kentucky found out I had those connections and they wanted to start a NFL sports agency. So they contacted me because of my connections in the league and the fact that I, I finished playing. So we started a, a sports agency. But the day that my loan got approved was the day that I got hired on as an area scout for the Denver Broncos. And I'm speaking now, and that seems like a short period on the time frame, but that was like four years of sending letters and resumes to NFL teams getting rejected and not having an opportunity. So it was uh, adventurous few years, but it was an awesome few years because it taught me resiliency. I made a lot of connections during that time and learned a lot about myself. And I think that was invaluable.
0: Now, you ended up spending many seasons, eight seasons with the Denver Broncos. And then you went to the Bears for a number of years. And now, again, you're with the Raiders. And when you look at your career, I get so many people that reach out talking to me about how they want to go into the sports industry because it's a lot of work to be in sports. And I don't think people understand how tough it is to really build a career there, but it seems so exciting. So everybody, there's this allure to it. And so when you look at your journey. I mean, there's been a lot of work, but you've had to do things to differentiate and separate yourself so that you can continue to advance and excel and be in the position that you're at today. What are some of the challenges that you had to face? And then secondly, what advice would you give to some people about if they're looking at this industry as a career, how can they position themselves to do well?
1: As far as the challenges, like, again, I'm from the city where I'm from is the population of less than 500 people so there are not a lot of folks where I'm from in the football space so as far as in the collegiate or NFL area so that's one of the barriers i went to school at the university of kentucky and we didn't have a lot of coaches from the university of kentucky that went on to be coaches in the NFL that was another issue i never played in the NFL i don't have an uncle or a dad that played in the NFL so i didn't have anybody to Call on to give me an initial opportunity or to take a flyer on me. So there were obvious barriers. The fact that I was already working in IT when I initially started trying to get in, a lot of teams wouldn't give me an internship because they were asked, like, why would you turn down making what you're making in IBM in the software world to come on and ultimately work for free to do football? Even though I would tell them that that's what I wanted to do. So a lot of barriers to initially get in. Again, it took me four years of sending letters and resumes, both handwritten and typed out, to get one interview. So it was tough. I'm thankful that I had a grandmother and grandfather who raised me and showed me what hard work really looked like. So my granddad worked in a lumber company for four over four years. Now wake watching wake up in the morning, four thirty in the morning, go work all day come back home. My grandmother was a textile worker and she managed our entire family. She's the head of my coaching tree. And so when you witness that type of work ethic and that type of resiliency, it makes you be able to handle the rejections that you get. And so I think the other part of your question was for those that are trying to get in, you know, what would I say to them? I would say like to have some success in the sports industry, you can't just like the sport. You can't flirt with it. Like It it requires too much. Everybody wants to show up on game days and do the things that feels good on game day. But to be successful in this profession, like you have to love it. It requires a love because you spend so much time and so many hours in the building doing the processes that nobody get a chance to see. And so my challenge would be to really make sure that this is something that you really want to commit your, your life to. Because there are thousands and thousands of people who would do what you are asking to get paid to do for free. And so you better be willing to do it, do it at a high level with attention to detail and passion or you'll get passed up. The other thing is, what differentiates you from the other thousand resumes that I receive in a month? What is different between you? Like, is it a way you communicate? Is it your background? You know, what can you add to the people in which you're contacting to try to hire you? I know for myself, like I would send letters and resumes out to teams and I would tell them that I wanted to be an NFL program, whether that was coaching or scouting. And I never really distinguished or differentiated if I wanted to be in coaching or scouting. And so because I was so vague with what I wanted, I know that was one thing that didn't sit well with some people who are receiving my interviews so do the research to find out what jobs are available and be really really specific in what you want to do or what you want to attack and and if you tell me that you want to be a scout or area scout or a pro scout like who are the area scouts and pro scouts that you're looking at like do the research and I, and I think it requires some of that to really be good at it and to take advantage of the opportunity in which when you do get it
0: You bring up some great points. A couple of things come to mind. One thing that I work with a lot of corporate professionals on how they can continue to navigate and advance their career. And it's really about differentiating yourself in terms of the value that you bring and also in conversation. And so doing the work, as you mentioned, doing the research is important so that you can show how you would plug into and be a fit for the organization. So I think that's important, but also looking at how do you set yourself apart from all the other 1,000 people that are applying for the job, know the value. Value that you can bring to the table and how it fits the needs of the organization. The way you do that is by doing your research. So I think that's a very important point. Now, I've been doing this season a few different solo episodes where I've been giving people tips on how to navigate and advance their career. I recently did a two-part series where I talked about things that I did. For those that know my background, I was in Fortune 50 companies in senior leadership in my 20s. So I did a series on things that I did while I was in my 20s to really navigate up the corporate ladder at an accelerated rate. Two things that I talk about are getting mentors and also getting champions. Champions being people that see your vision, that know where you want to go, and that can help talk about you in conversations that you don't have access to already. So when you look at your career champ, were there anybody that you had as mentors or champions to help you along your journey?
1: Let me add one thing to those couple of things you mentioned. I would say and you mentioned you hit on this a little bit earlier, you know, be where your feet are. I think you blossom where you're planted. Whenever you get in or wherever you're at, I think the main thing you have to do is really, really focus on being the best at the task required of that job. And if you become, you know, so good at that job, then ultimately people are gonna look at you for the next job. And your your mindset has to always think a level up. So if you're a scouting intern, you know, maybe you're thinking as a pro scout or an area scout. When you're an area scout, you're thinking as a director. When you're a director and and if you can train yourself to think a level above as you're planning in the role that you're in, then you have an opportunity to advance. Some impactful people in my life, again, I mentioned earlier about my grandmother and grandfather. I used to always answer this question and try to give you all these freaking people that I work for and all these high end coaches and, and scouts and There have been so many tremendous people that have blessed me in my time in football, but I'd be remiss if I didn't mention my grandmother and grandfather. Like, that's the base. Like, that's where it started. And apart from them, probably somewhere else doing something not associated with this league. When I was in college ball, I mentioned some people that I learned a tremendous amount from. I came to Kentucky, and I was playing defensive back my first couple of years, and then I moved to receiver. I thought about transferring, but in those days, you know, the transfer a little bit different than it is nowadays. One of the coaches that I spoke with that kind of told me about staying there was a guy by the name of Tony Franklin. Coach Franklin is a realist and told me, hey, champ, I don't think you should move. You're going to move over to offense. You have an opportunity to play. You won't get a ton of balls, but you're extremely smart. You will learn a lot about football. And I do what I can to get you the ball. So I respect him and the way that he operates. I do believe that he would champion for me in any situation. He tried to hire me once he went to Troy as a coach, but the timing didn't work out. When I look in the NFL, I would probably say guys like Mike Shanahan, who gave me my initial job with the Broncos. He alongside a guy by the name of Jim Goodman. Those two men gave me an opportunity when other teams didn't. They saw something in me and I really, really appreciate them. When I have some hard questions about things that are going on in the league right now, I'll still call Coach Shanahan and ask his opinion on how he would handle certain situations. You can see like his influence across the league. He's not in it right now, but the Shanahan tree is so strong across the league, and there's a reason why. Like he's a pace setter for this league and probably doesn't get as much attention as he should. So he's one obviously The way Josh McDaniels and David Ziegler, during my time in Denver, I I ran across Josh the first time. I think he's one of the most brilliant minds that I've been around in football. It's a privilege for me to get a chance to work with him again and just excited to see what we're going to be able to do here in Las Vegas. But I think Josh knows and appreciates me as a person and respects me as a man. And we have real conversations. And I I think he hires somebody who he knows is not going to be a yes man. (laughs) And so, I think when you're smart enough to realize you need people to tell you the truth, I think that's when you can get better and improve. Probably the guy that was probably my biggest champion was a guy by the name of John Fox. And I love I love Coach Fox. I love his family. Kept me in, in Denver when he came there, he recommended me to Chicago, you know, when he got on there. But someone who understands it's a lot of like the racial dynamics that go on in this league, someone who will keep it real, who keeps it light, who's a culture builder. And so I really respect the way that he handled himself as a head coach, but to those people who you tell, find your champion find your people who will speak up for you. What I would say more so than that is to be your authentic self and those people will find you. If you go looking for the champion and look like you can get lost into trying to be something that you're not, I say you go and attack the day with passion, attack the the day as a professional. And then those people will notice And they will recognize you and then you cultivate that relationship. And I think that's important as you go as well for
0: sure. There's a couple of things that you had mentioned in the show. You talked about Mike Shanahan and a few seasons ago on the show, I had Byron Chamberlain on and he talked about Coach Shanahan. And one of the things that Coach Shanahan said was whatever we do, we're going to do first class. And I think it's important to adopt that first class mentality because to your point about you've got to perform, you've got to be elite at your current job. It's not about just thinking about, oh, I want to get to the next level. You have got to knock it out of the park in whatever it is you're doing. Now, something I talk about is, owning your role. And really, it's not just about knocking it out of the park, but also looking at how can you do other things in addition to the normal scope of responsibility that's going to help gain you the experiences that you need to have so that you can move, be in a position to move on to that next opportunity. And so it's very important to be thinking about, i I've got to perform. But B, how do I craft this role to get me all the experiences that I need to have? And whatever you do, you got to do it with first class. You got to show up. You got to be where your feet are, and you've got to just show up every day like it's game day. And you've got to make things happen. And when you do that, the opportunities will come. The other two things I wanted to share was on our episode last season. I talked about this pie model, which stands for performance, image, exposure. It's not just about performing; it's about the brand that you want to put out there. So that's tied to your authenticity. You want to be authentic in that brand, but also also who knows about you so you want to make sure that you're being visible in the organization or in the industry that you're in so that those opportunities can come to you
1: yeah i think your your reputation matters and your name your name your brand they do matter like perception is reality and so i think it's really really important i've always lived in my mindset has always been to always treat people right not how i would want to be treated but how they need to be treated I think the thing that's significant about that is if you're living life, authentic life, and, and you're being truthful in every situation, and you're treating people the way that they need to be treated, and you're not just searching to treat the people who can impact your life a certain way, then people realize how real you are. And then if you can just operate in truth, if an agent calls me and tells me, oh, hey, I got this player, you guys interested? Like, no, didn't like the tape. And that sounds brutal, but they get so many people that, ah, oh, you know, well, we're thinking on it. Let me give you a call back when they really just want to say what I said. No, it's not good enough. And so they appreciate the truth, even though it comes with a sharpness. And those are a couple of things I've always tried to operate in. What I try to teach my kids and live life is I try to model consistency and I try to model faithfulness. So consistency requires no talent. You know, are you willing to show up when everybody else doesn't want to show up? Can you keep and maintain the level of accuracy that it requires to do your job and do it consistently over and over and over again? And then faithfulness is just believing in something beyond you, like whether that's the guy that you believe in or keeping the team first. Like your work level, your work consistency is going to impact and affect like all those around you. And if you're operating well for the team then the people in the team are going to notice. And who cares if nobody else notices, as long as your peers notice that you're riding for them, that you're working for them, I can go to sleep very, very well knowing that I'm treating people right and doing it for my people that are my coworkers. The rest of it, hey, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, Lord, I thank you for an opportunity to provide purpose in my life.
0: I love it. I want to be jumping up and down, but I can't do that. But uh, it's great. And so what I want to do now, Champ, is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to have some fun questions as part of my two-minute drill. We'll be right back. Hey, have you moved the ball in your own life today? If you're working toward your dream job, a new personal record, or a bigger salary, you need a plan to consistently make progress. That's why I wrote Move the Ball and Dominate the Game. These books are packed with strategy and easy to implement tips on gaining clarity of your goals, developing your own personalized playbook for success, pushing your boundaries of comfortability, and really elevating and dominating. Go to www.dominateandmove.com and enter code DOMINATE2023 for a 20% discount on the bundle and all books are signed copies as well. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, champ, we are back and we're going to have some fun. Are you ready? Let's do it. Not that we aren't already having fun, but- I was going
1: to say, you kind of hurt my feelings there. I thought I I was rolling.
0: You're rocking it. You are doing great. All right, here we go. What three words would you use to describe yourself?
1: Intelligent, thoughtful, authentic.
0: I like those. And I ask people those questions because it ties back to your brand. So I want people to be thinking about what are those words that they want to use to characterize who they are. The next question is, what is one thing that most people don't know about you?
1: When I was six years old, I was in a car wreck with my mom and almost passed away. So I think at that time I was told that I wouldn't be able to play contact sports. So I'm a miracle child. I'm a living testimony.
0: Well, you've definitely beaten the odds, so that's awesome. Next question is, would you rather be the world champion of your sport or the CEO of a billion-dollar company, and why?
1: Right now, I want to be a freaking world champion.
0: And that makes sense, given the position that you're in, right?
1: As long as so, I pay.
0: So the next question is, what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to?
1: This is probably my interest. In fact, I typically listen to a sermon every morning as I'm walking into our building, so Some of my favorite pastors are T.D. Jakes, Keon Henderson, Darius Daniels, Damian Thompson. I listen to Mike Todd. So literally every day when I'm walking into the office, I'm listening to some type of sermon. As far as books that I'm reading right now, I'm reading a book called Compton Street Kings. And it's dealing with uh, some gang stuff in L.A. around the notorious big Tupac situation.
0: If you could have any song played at all of your public appearances, what would that one song be?
1: It would be Juicy by Notorious B.I.G. because it was all a dream.
0: What would your next career move be if you were guaranteed to succeed?
1: It would probably be a nonprofit to benefit at-risk youth who have a passion for sport.
0: Oh, I like that. Next question is, you have 24 hours and a private plan that will take you anywhere. Where are you going?
1: The first stop will probably be Hamilton, Florida, which is where I'm from. I truly love the people in my community. They're resilient. They helped raise me. I would go to Kentucky and pick up some friends. And they were, we would probably end up in probably Hawaii or Jamaica, somewhere like that for, for a get together.
0: Nice. And the bonus question is M&Ms, Plain or Peanut?
1: I like my M&M from 8 Mile. All
0: right. <laughs> I got I got your joke. I got your joke. Take me a second.
1: <laughs> you got to step it up, Jen.
0: <laughs> I know. I know. I've been traveling, so <laughs> the, the brain is a little bit, not at 100%, but I like that. No one's ever done that. So well done. Now, you mentioned if you could have a next career move that was guaranteed to succeed, you would have a nonprofit for at-risk children. You and your wife have been very active in the community have a nonprofit called Heart Power. Talk to us about what are some of the things. I love that because I always say that moving the ball is not just about what you do, but it's about how you serve others and make an impact. So tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, I'll add that. Like, are you truly blessed if you are not a blessing? Mm -hmm. So that would be my question. What I was, me and my wife and I, we started a nonprofit Heart Power in 2010 and we've hosted several events But one of the things we've done since that time was host a nonprofit football camp called Champ Camps. And it's not Champ's camp. So it's not my camp. It's the, it's character, heart, attitude, motivation, and pride. And what we try to do in all of our camps is instill these five principles into the campers so they're able to, you know, be successful both on and off the football field. We want to, like I talked to you about modeling being a great form of the best form of teaching. Well, we try to bring different professionals from different fields and and allow them to be present for these camps so that our campers can tangibly see what they can be if they make decisions. And We tell our speakers as they're talking to the campers to be real and authentic about the challenges that you face and the difficulties that you still see, because our world is so filtered right now. It's so painted and cosmetic that everybody thinks things are, are perfect. where well, they aren't like people struggle. It's freaking hard. And so I need our campers to understand that even the people that they sing their songs and root for or vote for, they have struggles as well. That way, whenever our campers face hardships, they know to push through it as opposed to wilting and push through it because they've seen this politician push through it, this head coach push through it. Like I had to fight through difficulties to be able to make it here. And so we've done that in Colorado and Florida and Chicago. We're going to host one in Vegas this year and in Florida. like So we've seen tens of thousands of kids and it's been a tremendous blessing for myself and, and my wife and my family, the coaches and staff that volunteer to help out. They're like family to us. So these camps become family reunions. And the kids that we've invested in are now, some of them are now, couple of professional athletes, a couple of coaches, a couple of lawyers, like we got like legit people across the country. And so it's been a tremendous blessing for us.
0: And let people know, do you have a website or on social media? Where can people learn more about your nonprofit?
1: Our website is www.heartpowerinc.org. Heartpowerinc.org. We're on Twitter as Heartpower Inc. and on Facebook as well. So check us out. We would love to to get your feedback and, and thoughts on some of the things that we do, but we've been tremendously blessed and we enjoy giving back and learning from the, the kids and, and the coaches that are involved.
0: Well, I think it's great. And we'll be sure to have all those links in the show notes so people can continue to see all the great things that you're doing with heart power and everything else that you continue to do. So champ, as we look to close the show, any last thoughts for our listeners?
1: I guess I'm going to ask you this. What's next for you and what is your purpose as you lead this podcast.
0: That's a great two questions. So for me, I'm going to start with the second question first. My purpose with the podcast is really about trying to serve others and make a difference and make an impact and help people to not just move the ball, but to really excel and get to wherever it is that they want in life, whatever the field is, whatever the job. It's really about how can I, through this platform, really help to motivate, to inspire, to educate, and just give people sometimes hope, sometimes a positive message is all they need to keep going. Sometimes it's actual tips and strategies to be able to continue to move forward. So that's my goal with this podcast. And then what's next for me? Well, I released my Dominate the Game book last year. So I plan on doing an audiobook version of it this year. And I'll probably start doing some live streams too with really successful business leaders and how they're dominating in their field. So stay tuned for that. But those are some of the things for me. And for me, it's really about I'm very intentional with my time and I'm purposeful, but I'm also open to... To opportunities and kind of see where the journey takes me. So I'm um, looking forward to continuing to whatever I do. I know that I'm going to bring that positive energy and help to serve others.
1: That's awesome, Jen. I think as we're getting ready to close, I think you, you asked kind of about me reflecting and some of my thoughts. I think as one of the big things I've learned is to chase influence and purpose over title and money. Yes. And I think if if our whoever is listening to this if you can ever fully grasp chasing that influence and the purpose over those titles, is you can do your purpose from your position that you are currently. And I think that that's extremely important. The other thing is God will never bless who you pretend to be.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: if you're, if you're faking to be someone else, it's, it's not going to work, right? Be you, be authentically you. And once you decide that you are enough, you will be enough.
0: Oh, I love that. Powerful words. Thank you for that. So Champ, thanks so much again for being on the show today. I know we've been talking about having you on for a while, so I'm glad that you were able to come on and you just had such great insights and perspectives to share. So thank you.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: And thanks to everyone for listening. If you like today's episode, make sure you share the show with a friend or two or three. It's one way that you can help me to move the ball. And also if you have not yet done so, be sure you hit that follow button on whatever platform you're listening to the show on. So you are always in the know for a future episode. All right, thanks again for listening and we will catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up and you move the ball. Thanks for listening to Move the Ball, everybody. If you were inspired by this episode, can you do me a favor and let me know? Go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. And also, share the show with a few friends too. Next, I want you to go to getinsidethehuddle.com and join our email list. This will give you priority access to tips and strategies that will help you get more done today. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Today. You got that? Okay. Until next time.